Hello, today I have Rose with me. Hi Rose, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, my name's Rose Griffin. Um, I write under the pseudonym Daisy Bourne. And so far, I have written six books in the Tales of Avalon series. There'll be seven books in the series. So everything comes to an ultimate com conclusion in the next book, which I will finish next year. Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? Oh, absolutely. Even I'm 70 now. But when I was at school, um, I was always keen to do essays and I had my stories written in the school magazine and all that sort of thing. And I've been into writing competitions as well and had some moderate um, success when I was younger. But then as you get older, you've got to pay the mortgage, you've got to put food on the table. So I qualified as an accountant and yawned my way through my career. Although I did have, no, I have had some exciting bits to my career. I've um, organised an event at the House of Commons when I was Director of Finance for Parkinson's Disease Society. And um, I've worked abroad, so I've travelled to the Congo, Ethiopia, Bangladesh, and places which you wouldn't normally travel to on holiday. So being an accountant wasn't as bad as I'm, I'm trying to make it out, but I would have much rather have been a writer. And what made you finally take the plunge and go for it, start writing and decide to publish? Well, I, I was retired, so it gave me a little bit more time. And I hadn't started doing all the um, voluntary work, which I later took on. But I love every minute of it. I really love writing the stories. Um, and when did you first, uh, how long have you been writing? I started in 2016. And I wrote the first, what I considered to be the first book in the Tales of Avalon series. Unfortunately, I then went to an American publisher who actually split the book in three. And um, I can't go into the detail because we had an out of court settlement, but we parted company. But I was at that time, um, I was book off of the month on the Pacific Book Reviews. That was January, I think, 2017. And I was also a finalist in the Eric Hoffer Awards, which is quite a big event in America. So I was really happy with that. But since I've left the publisher, I've just been publishing on Amazon, which I think is a brilliant resource for um, self-published writers. Uh, I'd lost a lot of my Amazon um, reviews because we parted company and strange things started happening. Can I just tell you about the strange things that started happening? When I was with the publisher, we published my three books in, uh, it, with hard copies as well as soft copies. Paperbacks on Amazon are really easy to set up although I must admit I pay somebody else to do it for me. Um, but if you want to publish a hardcover, it's much more expensive. And I found it wasn't cost effective. So I stopped publishing the hardbacks. And the secondhand price of a hardcover book, which had been in America for $15.99, went on sale for $72. Then I saw another one at $60 
nothing happens in this country. And we hadn't sold that many hardcovers. And then, I don't know if I can show you this. Somewhere here, I have a copy of a hardcover book in the UK going on sale for £252 because people do collect them when they go out of print. So my advice to anybody, oh, there it is. £258.69. <laughs> so, and of course, you don't get royalties on second-hand books, do you? No. Otherwise, I would have had a 10% royalty on that one, 25 quid. But since I've left the publisher, I've, I've um, I, I published books four, five, and six, and I had, I was very happy with the illustrator I had with the um, publisher, although I was never allowed to meet her. But I found a, a, another publisher who did, um, another illustrator who did books four and five, Caroline Evans, who was excellent. She was an award-winning illustrator and she, she did some lovely um, pictures. Unfortunately, she had problems with her eyesight. So I didn't have an illustrator for book six, but my son stepped in. He's got a um, degree in art and design. He hasn't used his degree. He's 50 now, but it was a chance for him to get back into illustrating so he's done the illustrations for that one but I'm really pleased with the illustrations in all of them but Caroline's and books four and five a story never to be told and Lennox's story are particularly wonderful oh uh, it must be nice to have your son involved that must create quite a nice bond yes it, it has the trouble is I live in Essex and he lives in Somerset um and he hasn't done it for a long time. So he wasn't quite sure of the procedure, but Caroline was really good and um, sent him lots of information to help him through it. And we, we did manage to get there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and what made you choose the genre that you write in? Um, fantasy fiction, uh, young adult fantasy fiction. Although I would say my readership ranges from age eight to 89. Um, it's a strange story. In fact, I actually do a talk on it called Polydactyl Cats and Interesting Facts. I've always kept white cats. And for some reason, I've always known that white cats are more associated with witch cats than the black cats of fairy tales. And one day Cats Protection phoned me up and said they had a white kitten that was handed in. Um, to cut a long story short, it wasn't suitable to go to a family with children. Um, and they told me it had club feet, but it got around all right. Well, when it came, my friend bought it. She hadn't seen it before. It came out of the box. I was only supposed to view it um, and say no if I didn't want it, but I'd agreed to see it and that was fatal. Anyway, I had one blue eye and one green eye. And when she walked out of the box, she had the most enormous feet you'd ever seen. And my friend said to me, I don't think that cat's got club feet. I think she's polydactyl. So polydactyl said, I, what's that? Well, poly is the Greek for many and dactyl is the Greek for fingers. So it means anybody, any animal or person with more than the average number of um, fingers, toes or claws. 
And I decided to do some research into polydactylism and found that it was associated with the devil. Um, if you had an extra finger like Anne Boleyn, you could be accused of being a witch. She was accused of witchcraft as well as adultery. After all, how could Henry VIII have been fooled into falling in love with this awful woman who couldn't have children unless he'd been bewitched? Yeah, they made a big thing about the um, about the adultery thing, but um, not the witchcraft because also Henry ought to have been too clever to have been bewitched. Anyway, we cut that story that short there, but I found um, I, I found some horrific stories about how cats. Uh, um, were associated with witchcraft. And then of course, living in Essex where 740 people were accused of witchcraft over a hundred year period. Uh, I suddenly realized that with seven cats, five of which were white and um, three of which were polydactyl because after that I, I collected more polydactyl cats but I would have ended up in the ducking pond at best but I might've been you know, at the end of a rope somewhere. So I felt really sorry. As I read about these women in Essex, I felt really sorry for them. I think most of them were simply healers. And there were men in those days who were jealous of women who had a trade, who were successful at something that they might have gone to university to learn. But these women could mix herbs and... Um, you know, other natural products to make ointments and healing medicines. I mean, some of them may well have been pagans and there still are a lot of pagans in Essex. Um, paganism di didn't die, it simply went underground. So I've written my books with all the witches and wizards flying off to Avalon with Arthur. And the story continues of what might have happened to Arthur after you went to Avalon. So pure fantasy fiction, but um, I do have a readership who enjoy it. Which is helpful <laughs> when you want to be an author. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm surprised at the age groups because as, as I say, my, my age, the, the youngest person I, I think who's read my book is age eight, which is my grandson. Um, he's a lot older now, he's, he's uh, 11, but um, yeah, I've got uh, most of my readers who follow me are, are adults. I've had a reader of uh, in his 80s, another lady who's 89, and several in their 40s, 50s and 60s, and professional people. So not, you know, it, I, I, I feel quite complimented by that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, what's the most interesting thing you found doing research for your books? Well, I think I've already said the association of um, cats with witchcraft. Um, and I do have a polydactyl cat in my book, um, in my book, sir. Uh, he comes in on, on I think, chat, uh, book four. But, yeah, I, I've also been to Lancashire and, and um, gone to the Pendle Witch Museum. And absolutely the same stories as in Essex. Women who knew how to use natural resources for healing. Um, a woman who owned a farm, I mean, women couldn't be successful business people in those days. They had to be married. You couldn't have a, 
a widow living on her own, living on a farm and, and making a success of it. It was unheard of. And one of the magistrates wanted to marry her and she didn't want to remarry. And next thing you know, she's accused of witchcraft. I think women are very, I think one of the things I've discovered is that women are very lucky living in this day and age when they can have a career of their own. Yeah, no doubt. Um, if you were to take one of your characters out for a meal, who would you choose and what would you ask them? Oh, I think Merlin. I've got Merlin in my books. And he's such an interesting character because he's got such a wealth of knowledge because he's lived for such a long time. And um, I like the way in my books where he doesn't exactly tell lies, but he has a knack of avoiding the truth sometimes. <laughs> and if you were to be transported into one of your books as a character, which book would you choose? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I, I don't have a preference, I don't think. Maybe The Exchange of Rings because they find themselves in the Forbidden Forest. Uh, um, and I do like trees and forests. I'm a trustee of a small piece of woodland. Yeah, I love forests as well. Creepy though. <laughs> well, we've got a bit of woodland, which we awesome. purchased. We raised £33,000. Donna, I'm sorry, I can just hear my um, doorbell ringing. I don't think my husband's answering it. So I'm going to phone him downstairs. Yeah, I'll just pause this. Um, what's, out of all the books you've written, what's been the most fun scene that you've written and what's been the most difficult? Um, well, I found the last book very difficult. I'll start with a difficult one first because it was sewing the threads of the five previous books together in a, the sixth one in the serial without repeating everything that had been written in the last one. With regards um, the best bit, I, sorry, what was your first question? Uh, the most it? fun. The most fun writing. Um, again, I think it's Merlin in the forest with the children and teaching, he, they adopt some children that were imprisoned um, and bring them into the forest and teach them how to be young witches and wizards. And some of them have remarkable skills of their own. They've never been able to show their skills in public for fear of reprisals. And they were put in prison and fed um, drugs, which would deaden their powers. But Merlin and his uh, friends release them and they go to live in the enchanted forest, the forbidden forest. It's forbidden because it's surrounded by vines which people can't get through unless they have a spell to get into the forest. Awesome. <laughs> um, since you started writing, what's been your absolute highlight, your favourite moment? Uh, I suppose being, just being published first of all, although that had a downside to it originally, but um, being a finalist in the Eric Hoffer Awards was really good. And I can now put their gold seal on that particular book. It's called The Land of Twydell and the Dragon Egg. 
<coughs> excuse me. Um, so yeah, that, that was a, a really good highlight, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? We seem to have lots of Facebook friends. Yes, author friends, local author friends. And we sometimes do book signings together. South End Council are very good. They allow us to have what they call a salad day, a South End um, Area Local Authors Day. And they cover the insurance costs, etc. And um, it's quite a few of us that get together and we've all got to know each other. But we seem to have lots of Facebook friends on uh, who are authors. But then once you've liked their page, you never hear from them again, which is really disappointing. Mm -hmm. And do you hear a lot from your readers? Yes, um, I do get uh, a bit of correspondence. Yeah, I had a letter from a lady in Canada or a young woman in No, she was Canadian, but she'd gone to live in America where she said Americans didn't like Canadians. Um, her parents weren't very nice to it and she was disabled. And she asked me if I could cast a spell to um, make people like her, which was very sad. I don't know how old she was, but I felt very sad and I didn't know what to do. I sort of became a Marjorie Proops and responded saying, well, I'm, I'm not a witch, I can't cast spells, but um, have you spoken to, I don't know if, if you're a member of the local church, have you spoken to your local priest um, and asked him to help? And I thought, oh, should I be doing this? But anyway, I didn't want to, it was, really awful letting her down I think because she really thought I must have been a witch and I could cast spells and then I had a letter again from America from a lady who um read my orange flower spell which is on my website tellsofavalon.co.uk and she said I loved your orange flower spell could you please send me some more and I'm willing to pay so again, I had to write back and say, well, I'm not really a witch. Although that was a real spell that I found in an old book and I just sort of jazzed it up for mine. So I, I could have made a bit of extra money, but I thought, no, I'll, I'll be honest. In case she finds a real witch, who costs a spell on me when she finds that they're not real spells. But the orange flower spell, as I said, I found it in an old book in a jumble cell. Wow. Um. If you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Oh, George R. R. Martin, I think. I love his books. I can pick up his book, one of his books, any time of the day or night, open it up, start reading from any page. And the I, I visualise the scene and the characters. I think he's the modern day Charles Dickens. He's got this wonderful power of description. Yeah, there is, uh, I've never read them, um, but I'd like to one day when I get time. Yes, they're pretty big books. Um, and it's different to this TV series. The TV series, I think, must have a different ending because in the last book that he wrote, he was going in a, a different direction. And I think they just wanted to finish the TV series. But it would be George R. R. Martin or Bernard Cornwall, who's my other favourite author. Um, what do you like to do in your spare time if you get any, which it didn't sound like you got a lot when we spoke before? Not, no, we don't. We, um, we raised £33,000 to buy a piece of woodland because I love trees. 
and that does take some maintenance. We're very lucky we have a local MP, Stephen Metcalf MP. We've had his support um, and he helped us get a major grant to buy it. He got helped us get a grant for 20,000. We raised the other 13 ourselves. This year, our insurance has shot up from 230 pounds to 580. Not because of the woodland itself, but because of the events that we do. Um, this year we had an Easter egg hunt. We don't normally have an Easter egg hunt, but local people had asked for it because of COVID. So we had 90 children over a two day period um, in groups of six, five minutes apart. So it took a little bit of organizing, but it all went really well. And I also do the local history guided tours of the village and of um, the woodland to raise funds. I only charge people three pounds each, but then a lot of people end up giving me a fiver. One guy came around and gave me a hundred pounds, which was wonderful. Um, and we organise a Christmas lights competition, which is being judged on Monday by the local, a director from my local garden centre. He puts 240 pounds up in prizes, but um, it's nothing to do with the woodland, but it gives us a bit of profile. So that and travelling and grandchildren, I think, is, is where our time goes at the moment. And um, when we spoke before we started recording, you said you've been to 92 countries. So what's the top of the list that you'd like to go to next? Uh, I've never been to Australia or New Zealand. And I'd love to visit the Hobbit world in um, New Zealand. So uh, that whole day was cancelled. And then I, we'd also had a holiday, a cruise to Greenland and Iceland, which was also cancelled. So we, we'd like to do that at some stage. Yeah, I'd love to go to Iceland. Apparently it's amazing. <laughs> it's Greenland that really um, appeals to me because um, it's got a unique ecosystem. I think there's basically lots of rubies under the surface, isn't it? Which is why Donald Trump wanted to buy it. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you like to go to? Arthurian times. Which is where, where my books are based, yeah. Get some insider knowledge. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the Romans were very clever people and I think they wrote Arthur out of history. And I think um, because they, they've done it with Cleopatra as well, if, if you read about Cleopatra, she's a beautiful seductress, but if you look at a coin with a picture of her on it, she's a really ugly woman. Um, but she was also very clever. She was the, the Ptolemies, she belonged to the Ptolemy clan, all spoke Greek because they, they came from a Greek background. And she was the first to learn to speak Egyptian. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, what's coming next for you? Um, what's coming next? Well, we'd like to travel again next year. We want to spend more time with our youngest grandchild, Isla Rose. Um, Isla is a name in my book, but it's also a family name of her mum's. So, that's quite interesting and rose after me. So, we want to spend more time with Isla Rose. Uh, we're off to a horse sanctuary to see Father Christmas on Saturday, so we're looking forward to that. 
we're hoping our Greenland Iceland cruise goes ahead next year but if not then so be it it's better to be safe than sorry um and of course finishing the Tales of Avalon series next year book seven will be completed next year I'm going to work on it we're we're going away for Christmas uh in a hotel so we'll have some free time where I'm able to get my notes up to date and and really get into it I hope and it looks like we could be going into another lockdown for people of my age group so it's something for me to work on and then do you know what you're going to do when you've finished this series you do you have plans yeah. for another one <laughs> yeah I, um not, not a series two two projects one is the history of Bowers Gifford and North Benfleet where I live I do talks on that and it's a case of writing everything down that I've got in my head and in my notes and putting it into a book form. So that's great. And also I've got two manuscripts that have been given to me. One was a, by a lady who was a member of the Women's Institute. And after the year, the Women's Institutes were asked to write the history of their village. And I thought she did a really good job. But the Women's Institute said it wasn't fit for publication. So I've got her handwritten manuscript, um, which I have to ask her family if I can use in the book. And I've also got another manuscript that was given to me by a local author who had won a couple of um, competitions with another book. But this one, again, was considered not fit for publication. But to me, it's got a wealth of information about our village between 1890 and 1920. So it's a case of putting all these pieces together and just writing them down. And then my second project will be to write my mum's autobiography. I write under the pseudonym Daisy Bourne, and that was my mum's name. Um, She was adopted when she was six. The story is in the author's bio in the back of the book. She was... um, she wasn't legally adopted and she was taken to Canada um, so she wasn't a humiliation to her real parents who uh, um, what can I say without giving the game away Uh, a well-known family well-known landed gentry so um, it was a case of her living in Canada before coming back to England and the rest of her story. Amazing. <laughs> um, well, I can't think for any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us about? I don't think so. I think you've let me natter away and I've been very grateful for the interview. So just before we go, would you like to tell everyone where they can get your books from and just remind them of your website and any other social media? Well, I think the easiest place to get them is tellsofavalon.co.uk. Um, I've got uh, the links there for Amazon UK, US and Canada, which are my main. Um, I don't sell too many in Canada, but I do sell a few. But those are my main links and they'll take you through to my Amazon account. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. It's been lovely to meet you. You too.